from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. Did you have a good New Year, Joe? I did. Good. Yeah. I watched Ohio State, as a lot of people have made the joke, literally drop the ball at midnight Saturday night going into Sunday. You couldn't have timed it any better on Saturday night in terms of how things played out They, with with the kick and everything else. And I was all prepared to talk about how this weekend, and we, and we will still talk about this, how this weekend showed you between uh, the TCU win, Tulane beating Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl, that this idea that we're not going to see any sort of upsets in the college football playoff was always ludicrous, and this weekend showed you that college football, by design, is chaotic. The regular season is chaotic, and there's no reason why going into the postseason with an expanded 12-team playoff, you won't see some of this chaos going forward, and we're all going to love it the same way that we love some of the results from this weekend. And then you have the Carolina Panthers season effectively being over after the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. What next? What's the draft plan now? What's the what's the future for Steve Wilkes? Uh, did not winning the division impact his his job status, like his actual look at the job permanently? These were all things that I was super hyped to talk about today. And I was at uh, my kid's hockey practice last night, jotting down some notes, coming off the holiday break, ready to go. And I get home, and I was finishing up watching a show with my older son, and you texted me. You texted me last night during Monday Night Football. I was like, w- what is happening? I Actually, I... I'd have to go too far to the text as to what you said, but you were very much like, I can't believe they're going to keep playing this game. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I flipped it over, and obviously we see what happens with DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. And it wasn't, you know, you didn't have to scroll very far on Twitter to see the uh, to see the replay over and over again. And then just an ESPN broadcast not knowing what to do in a lot of ways. And I don't blame that. I don't bring that up in, yeah. a, in a negative way. None of us would know what to do in those situations. I thought they handled it the best they could, but this was something that you you informed me of last night, and we were all captivated by what we saw on Monday Night Football. Amazing that not even two months ago, Tua Tungavailoa collapses on the same field, has the reaction that he does to a, a concussion, a second hit syndrome. And we we paused that day, and we thought what we're actually watching in football. And... It, it is the modern gladiators and all of the moves that the NFL has made in the last 15 years to make the game safe. Are, well, let's qualify that safer mm-hmm. because the truth of the matter is it's a violent sport and there's no way to take the violence completely out of it. The play that we saw last night where DeMar Hamlin ended up in cardiac arrest. And if you're not familiar with when CPR is administered, you, you have to be dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to be cold. But there are some people who are confused as to what actually happened last night. The man's life was saved by the by the medical personnel on the field. And he is now hopefully still in critical condition. And hopefully he is on his way to mending and will be better. But the truth of the matter is that was a football play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a shot to the head. It wasn't a second man in taking up, you know, taking on a, a defenseless player. It was a it was a collision between a six foot, two hundred pound athlete, Hamlin, and a six four, two hundred and eighteen pound athlete in T. Higgins. And we keep saying this year after year, they get bigger, they get faster. And unfortunately for, for DeMar Hamlin last night, that was a math equation. You had two guys 
two big guys Mm -hmm. running at a high speed and colliding in such a way that it was a one in almost billion shot for Hamlin to have the reaction that he did. Yes. And there's no amount of safeguards that you could put in short of making a two-hand touch to to prevent something from like that from happening. And I know there'll be a lot of hand-wringing about the NFL, and I know we already have a lot of hand-wringing about, oh, this is a, you know, this the the the, the, the roughing the passer penalties mm-hmm. and the other penalties that I've put in place. But, you know, the NFL has tried. They have. And they've failed on some of these concussion fronts. They have. But last night, I thought you saw two coaches in particular, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, who I don't I don't know what we, we may never know what the officials on the field told them about, you know, hey, you got five minutes to get ready or not. Yeah. I thought they clearly took things into their common sense hands and said, hey, we need to, we need to get out of here. and We need to do what's best for the player involved. And I'm glad that they did. And I do think this is a step forward uh, in the NFL, specifically football, specifically. And then football. it was the coaches. Let us not diminish that it was the coaches, was not the coaches. like trying to be meat head coaches. No, no, going, no, no. no. We, we're, we're, we're trying to play for the number one seed in the AFC here. Because we've seen instances where football teams have proceeded to play football games after traumatic events. You know, yeah. I know, I know Mike Silver now with Bally Sports, he used to be with the NFL Network, longtime NFL columnist, had brought up what had happened in Kansas City, where there was a tragic event where teammates saw one of their, their own kill himself. And then they proceeded to go out there and play a football game the week later. It's why earlier this year in college football, the right decisions were made by the ACC and those involved at Virginia after the tragic killings of th- was three football three. players mm-hmm. uh, coming back from a Washington, D.C. field trip that they decided to cancel the rest of the season. Because how can you go, how can you go out there and play football? And I think that's progress in a weird sort of way. It's, it's progress that we understand, hey, man, we get the sacrifices that are made by football players to play this game for our entertainment and financial entertainment too. But I'm also glad that there has been enough. This is where the, the talk about people's mental state, mental health, is good. It is a thing that I wish that we get more of. You know, the, the ACC talks about it. A lot of people roll their eyes. When the NFL talks about mental health, people want to roll their eyes. What are you really doing? I do think those conversations are helping to normalize the decision to say, hey, you know what? We don't got to complete a game tonight, nor do we need to complete a game this week because the NFL announced that they're not going to resume the game this week. They left it nebulous because I think they want to give some time as to where things are going. Speaking of time, there was a lot of hand-wringing last night as I was watching it unfold in real time on social media and watching the broadcast that it took an hour for them to postpone the game. I don't... It's easy to bash Roger Goodell because we're so used to bashing Roger Goodell. And what you just said, Jillio, about the coaches, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, respectively, of the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, the conversation should be about them, not what the NFL did or did not do. If I'm the NFL, when they finally get a better timeline of what happened, they should say, rather than trying to take credit, they should say, look, they did the right thing and we backed them for their decision because they have a better understanding of their own players' mental state than we do in New York watching on a TV or wherever Roger Goodell was. But there seems to be some confusion as to what exactly was unfolding. This is Joe Buck on the Monday Night Football broadcast saying, based on, and I have no reason to believe that what Joe Buck is saying is made up, he's got people on the ground, there are producers that are talking to officials on the field, and here's what Joe Buck said about the resumption of play. 
Lisa, they, as we said, they've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field, but nobody's moving. So that was Joe Buck. And then yesterday, late yesterday, Troy Vincent, who's the vice president of football op- op- operations, had a conference call with reporters saying that I'm not sure where that came from. Quote, frankly, there was no time period for the players to get warmed up. Frankly, the only thing that we asked was that the referees communicate with both head coaches to make sure they had the proper time inside the locker room to discuss what they felt was like was best to do, end quote. At some point, we're going to get a better idea of what really unfolded. But all I ask is, since we've never been in this situation before, we've talked about it. There's a contingency. What if? But it's never actually happened. Most of us don't know what to do when it actually happens. If I suddenly went into cardiac arrest during the show, would you know what that to, to do, Joe? Other than call 911? No. Right. Dennis, would you know what to do? I mean, you'd probably go to break. I just uh, fire a commercial. Fire a commercial, but then, like, in the real time, do you come back? Do you do a show the rest of the day? Do you go to programming? Like, do you just go to network programming at that point? Do you tell the audience what happened? You don't know. You just don't know. So I find it easy to bash the league when I'm kind of coming at it from the perspective of, hey, man, nobody's ever been in this situation, so how in the world are they supposed to handle this? Could they have handled it better? I don't know. To your point, the coaches handled it the way they should. I thought the coaches handled it well. I thought the TV broadcast did, too. Yes. But I'll tell you why. I, Joe, I think after that Tunga Vailoa incident, I think they did have a protocol in place because they were not showing the play yeah. over and over again. They went to break a couple of different times. And I, before we get out of this first segment, I really want to say how much I admire Scott Van Pelt and Ryan mm-hmm. Clark last night because I thought I thought Joe Buck was a little bit lost. I thought Susie Colbert was a little bit lost. And I thought to myself, if I'm running ESPN right now, I'm, I need to figure out who my Walter Cronkite is. Yeah. And I, and my first thought was Scott Van Pelt. I said, you got to get him into the chair, and you got to you got to swing it to him. And if it's Ryan Clark or whoever you bring in, that's what you got to do. That's exactly what they did. And here is Ryan Clark with Scott Van Pelt. You know, the first time that, and I agree with 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 Ryan Clark. We spend so much time about let's put the game back on, put the game back on. This is the first time that the NFL actually took the mental state of players into account. In truth. If the NFL cares about the players, this is the first time I believe the NFL truly had to care about the players' emotional and mental health as well. This is the first time we got to watch those emotions. We got to watch that type of of thought process right in front of us. In real time. Right? We never get to see that. Because it had to happen. It had to happen in real Mm -hmm. time. So that was last night on the broadcast. I mean, completely. They were really good. They They were really, really good. In terms of how – and Booger McFarlane, I thought, also did a very, very good job in trying to handle what happened last night in real time. It's the OG. Even, I mean, look, we've had a, almost 24 hours to process what happened. I'm even having a hard time talking about it. I'm here with Coach Pete from Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, tell us about your extended warranty. When you talk about retirement planning, what does that warranty yeah. mean? You have these lump sums in your 401ks, big balances. You get to retirement, though, and how do you know that money's going to last the rest of your life? We do that. We put together the extended warranty income plans, turning your lump sums into real lifetime retirement plans. The next 10 people will do it at no cost or obligation. Give them a call, Capital Financial Advisory Group, 800-691-3215, or you can just text Text my name, Tim, to 600-700. Make sure they know we sent you. It's funny how nine wins hits different for two different programs, right? Nine wins at Duke, nine wins at Carolina. Totally different. Totally different vibes for each program. Meanwhile, NC State had a microcosm of their season unfold at the man- Mayonnaise Bowl. I, was, I, I did not un- 
I did not know that NC State was capable of producing an offense that made mayonnaise seem spicy. <laughs> like, ooh, put a little mayo on that, get crazy. That's that's that was NC State's offense in Charlotte. It was so bad. Yuck. It was really, really bad. Maryland's best win before that game was either over Buffalo or SMU. You pick. Oh, jeez. Maryland took an L after the game when their official Twitter account tried to make some sort of joke at the expense of keep they keep beating NC State even after they leave the ACC. Yeah. But they spelled y'all, oh, Y-A no. apostrophe L-L oh, no. instead of they forgot Y already? apostrophe A-L-L. Also, how do you not tag, if you're going to put some L's in there, why do you not tag Phillip Rivers? Yeah. Like, if you really want to stick it to State fans, how do you not put Phil with a bunch of L's in there since he never beat Maryland? Or a Russell Wilson thing, right? You could tell that was a Ute who tweeted that. Yes. They don't know their history between NC State. How do you not make a wire reference that where NC State and Maryland famously played in the wire? That's right. Um, the game was really bad. Yeah, it was. It was. A lot of coaching malpractice. Speaking, the of, speaking of things that were bad and in Charlotte, uh, well, actually didn't take place in Charlotte, took place in, in, in Tampa Bay, the Carolina Panthers lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I really have two takeaways from the result. The first one is related to Tom Brady, who simply will not go away. Won't go away. He's still a 45-year-old, soon-to-be 46-year-old yeah. Tom Brady, he, still better than Sam Darnold. He he will go away eventually. Maybe. Uh, you know me. I love to take an opportunity to explain when I am right. Uh, I told Dennis, Tom Brady's still good enough to beat bad teams. Yeah. Or, or good in average teams. Yeah. Panthers are an average team. Yeah. And they did the thing where they let Tom Brady hang around, and then he made them pay in the fourth quarter. And the, the people are going to go all hyped up. Oh, my God, the Cowboys are going to go. You, you, you can't. You you don't want to face Tom Brady in the playoffs. No, you do. No, you do. <laughs> I don't know. All man. you gotta do is cover Mike see, Evans. That's see, it. No, but see, here's the thing. You're falling victim to it. You're falling victim to it. Because that's my Because I don't want to hear about Aaron Rodgers either. Uh, my God, Jim Nance was like full. Like just knee deep into that. I'm like, buddy, you need to you need to step outside. Because... To your point, the Dallas Cowboys do have like a healthy defense that yeah. should be able to cover Mike Evans. Yeah. Which is what something the Panthers could not do without JC Horn. Totally got it. Correct. That, right. Um but also, the other takeaway I had from this game, speaking of quarterbacks, I referenced it. An old Tom Brady is still better than Sam Darnold. And guess who went back to looking like Sam Darnold? I hate that we do this. I hate that we do this throughout the course of the season, even though I understand why we do it. The NFL has done an amazing job of training us to believe everything that happens on Sunday is make or break, right? So if your team wins, everything is all right. We're headed in the right direction. These guys played great. What does this mean for the future of the franchise? Well, maybe we just give them credit for what happened on Sunday, and then we can reevaluate the following week, and then the week after that when we have more data, rather than just the last thing we saw being the thing that we saw. So we started doing that again with Sam Darnold, right? At the beginning of the year, it was, Sam Darnold's never going to see the field again. Well, circumstances presented an opportunity for Sam Darnold to go back out there. And the Panthers found themselves back in the playoff hunt to win the division, a terrible division, because Sam Darnold had not done what? He wasn't overly great. No, he wasn't had he turning the done? ball over. He wasn't turning the ball over. But he's still Sam Darnold. And what's Sam Darnold eventually going to do? He's going to turn the ball over. He had three yeah. turnovers. He was back to doing that again. And thankfully, I believe this will finally put to bed 
this ridiculous conversation that I had seen pop up about, well, maybe Sam Darnold comes back next season. Maybe he is the answer or quarterback. Look at what's been able to do over the last couple of weeks. No! So now we can stop lying to ourselves about just where Sam Darnold is at this point in his career and whether or not he's got a future with the Carolina Panthers. He doesn't. He never did. So why do you do this to yourself? So thankfully, that's put to bed. What's not put to bed, though, Julio, is what are we going to do with Steve Wilkes? Speaking of the last thing being the thing that we saw, there's I did not like the way it was presented for Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach, that Getting to the playoffs was the only way he was going to get the job. I think that speaks more to David Tepper's ridiculous bar of entry for Steve Wilkes than anything else. Because I can make an argument with the context given to what Steve Wilkes had to deal with. Not just the shiny object being Christian McCaffrey got traded. But let's also not forget that Steve Wilkes had to clean house on the coaching staff as well. And also deal with some guys that ended up leaving to go coach with Matt Rule too. Dealing with the quarterback shuffle, dealing with the injuries to the secondary, and they still found a way to to stay in the playoff race, stay in the division title race. And most importantly, Julio, you saw it. There was buy-in. So why would you not give Steve Wilkes an opportunity to coach this team with a plan to win rather than trying to just get to the end of the season and we'll see where things go. Steve Wilkes with a plan might actually work out. The question is, can David Tepper resist the Jim Harbaugh bait? Aha! That's because the, the report over the weekend, the anonymous report, kind of like Russell Wilson's agent telling us which teams, he's not requesting a trade, but here are the five teams he would go to <laughs> if we were to be talking ah, about where he would be traded. It's always my favorite. The anonymous report from Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> he's not ready to leave Michigan, but he would take an NFL job if he was offered one. Yeah. So and there's some natural conversation about Jim Harbaugh with Russell Wilson. Listen, I know enough about Jim Harbaugh to tell you that he, him and him and Jim, uh, him and Tom O'Brien are simpatico. No. Okay, so I don't think he is the one to rescue Russell Wilson. No. Um, but I could see David Tepper with the shiny object and Jim. Now let's be fair to Jim Harbaugh too. He has taken an NFL team to the Super Bowl. He has lost to his brother, um, and knows how to coach the quarterback position as well which, of course, is important in this day and age. So I I, I could see the pluses mm-hmm. of Jim Harbaugh if, if this is where he wants to be. Sure. I could see those pluses. I could And said this last week, I'll say it again, I like Wilkes. The players obviously are motivated by him. I also think it's really important who he hires to call plays. Mm-hmm. He, that's and that's everybody. Who are you going to get to call plays? Again. And who are you going to get to work with your quarterback? Those are, that, that person is the most important person on your staff. Again, that also comes down to giving a coach an opportunity with a plan to win mm-hmm. rather than making chicken salad out of what you were left with sure. when you took over the interim job. So, certainly would be a cheaper option. He certainly would be a cheaper option. He's also somebody you don't have to give a long-term contract to either. You know, if, if What's to say Steve Wilkes gets a three-year deal, right, uh, with the Carolina Panthers and see where you go from there? Because you, you see this, right? I mean, look at the Giants. You're going to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. How quick did that turn around? Pretty, pretty darn quick. Hey, Mike McCarthy and the Miami Dolphins, you know, Tua Tagovailoa doesn't get hurt. They're not in this spiral that they're in right now, and they probably make the playoffs. You see a turnaround. They're a Super Bowl contender. You look at uh, the work with Jalen Hurts and the oh, Philadelphia Eagles. Nick right? Sirianni, yeah. So Doug Peterson with the Jaguars should be the NFL coach of the year. So there are there are ways to turn things around pretty darn quick in the NFL. And Steve Wilkes, again, with a plan, should work itself out, which is why there's really only two coaches that I would completely understand David Tepper going for at this point in time because it attracts with what David Tepper's about. 
Jim Harbaugh being one of them because he wants out of Michigan, and Sean Payton would be the other. But if you're going to go out and get in Sean Payton, what's it going to cost you? What's going to cost you to get Payton? Because he's traffics. He's going to still be with the New Orleans Saints. But I do believe that the general attitude that we have with Steve Wilkes isn't about Steve Wilkes. I want to be. I want to make abundantly clear. This has everything to do with not trusting David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. This is about not trusting him to think critically. Or worse, he never had any intention to take Steve Wilkes and his candidacy seriously. That's an indictment on Tepper, not an, an indictment on the job that Steve Wilkes has done, given the circumstances of how he took that job over. I thought he did a good job, even if they did not make the playoffs having won the division thanks to a loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you struggling to get a good night's sleep? Look no further than Parkway Sleep. For 20 years, we have been your locally owned and operated sleep center. I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Did you know that people are waiting a staggering six to eight months for a sleep study at other sleep labs? At Parkway, we understand the importance of your sleep needs. That's why we offer openings within weeks, not months, saving you time. Don't let sleepless nights take over your life. Visit us today at parkwaysleep.com. Parkway Sleep Health Centers. Sound sleep, sound health. 